Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So I'm so glad each and every one of you is here today. Um, It means a lot to me that you're being here. Um, I know summers are really tough, um, so thank you for being here. And just so you know, this is only the second time I've ever done anything like this, so I'm still completely out of my comfort zone. And I found a picture that I wanted to show you that kind of encapsulates how I'm feeling right now. (laughs) But before I get to that, I have to kind of give you a little bit of background. So, many of you might know that we have a lot of cats. And we had uh, three cats in our house. We had Wolf. This is Wolf. She does not weigh 91 pounds, by the way. That's actually 16 pounds, and she's probably the only female in America that actually likes to get on the scale. She does it all the time. And then this is Justice. She's asleep on my backpack in that picture. She is feisty. Both of them are, but they're very, very, very sweet. Until... We had an unexpected event. A mama cat came up, and it's hard to see because she's solid black, and her kittens are solid black, but there are four kittens in that picture. Yeah, so she came up on our back porch, and she delivered her litter on May the 1st, and we were like, oh, what do we do with kittens? Um, I thought she might be here this morning. I'm not sure. Maybe she's uh, running a little bit late, but... Robin Westwood has been a godsend in this. Um, She has helped us kind of navigate the whole kitten's water because my kids a lot of times have said that mom has had kittens before. You know, uh, don't tell mom she's going to have kittens, that kind of a thing. But we had never physically, literally had kittens before. So Robin has been an amazing help with us as we've navigated that. So we decided that we were going to keep this mama and two of her babies. Yeah, okay. So... These two do not practice radical hospitality <laughs> at all, at all. They, they are not. So these are the two little guys that we decided to keep. That's Max on the left and Lyle on the right. And so then it became, how in the world do we start acclimating our cats with each other? If you've never done it before, it's quite the adventure. So, all of a sudden, you know, we have a lot of, not a huge house, but enough space that everybody could have a little bit of their own. And we have a cat tree, so we started kind of, you know, introducing them slowly. We actually had to go out and buy a baby gate, which felt very weird since our youngest is 22. Um, But we bought a baby gate so they could see each other initially, and then... We had, um, you know, so they could kind of interact a little bit, but not, and then we took the baby gate out, and so we were trying to do some things to try to get them a little bit used to each other, and then we took the baby gate completely away, and we were just going to see what happened. Well, the good thing is, is that the boys had absolutely no trouble at all. They were on top of the cat tree in in a minute. They were, they were 
kind of crazy. Um, a lot of energy, much, almost much more than a toddler. But then mama started coming out, and we're like, yes, this is awesome. And then all three of them were on the cat tree. So you can see Max, he's kind of that grayish shadow on the left side of the cat tree, and Lyle is uh, the one that you can see the best, and Mama is a level below them. So back to how I'm feeling this morning. Right there. <laughs> one big blur of not knowing exactly what's going to happen next. That's what I'm feeling this morning. So without further ado, Let's turn, if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 60. We're going to look at a few verses. We're going to start with these, and then we're going to go to the New Testament. We're going to look at a couple of verses together this morning. These are kind of parallel passages, um, these two. We're going to look at the first uh, three verses in Isaiah chapter 60. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord. Arise, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this passage gives us two directives. It calls us to arise, and it calls us to shine. But before I go any further, I just want to say something. <clears throat> I am only here today to remind us all of a few things. This isn't, I need these reminders just as much as anybody else, because for me, that picture I showed you earlier, I felt like that for a lot of this year. It's been a doozy, and I know for some of you it's been quite a doozy too. So right off the bat, I want to acknowledge something together that this passage addresses, and that's the issue of darkness. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time up here convincing you that we live in a very dark world. It can be very dark. And it's, if you think about it, it, you can find it in just about every news story out there. Even some of the good stories have a little bit of a tinge of darkness to them. You know, that person who's lost it all in a fire and a kind benefactor has come in and replaced everything. Well, it still has that idea of some darkness to it. <clears throat> so in this passage, we see degrees of darkness. We see, depending on your translation, you're going to see darkness, but then you're either going to see thick, deep, or gross, which pretty good descriptive word if you ask me. So um, the original word for darkness, it has this idea of just distress. And then if you look at the original language around this gross or thick or deep darkness, it gives the idea of misery. So this is our first reminder that I just, again, I'm not up here to really teach. I'm just up here to remind us all of a few things. Reminder number one is this. Good, it worked. Darkness is real, and God acknowledges the darkness. He's the one. These are his words in Isaiah, where he says, See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. He is acknowledging that, yep, we have some darkness around us. Reminder number two. We're still called to arise and shine. 
regardless of the darkness. <clears throat> so let's take a look at that word arise. There's a lot of ways to say arise, and there are a lot of ways that arise appears in scripture. Get up is one of those ways. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid growing up, I heard get up a lot. You see it in both the Old and the New Testaments. Angels say it. Jesus says it. It appears in dreams. It's said compassionately. It's said emphatically. It's said to Jesus' family, those with handicaps, the disciples, and a dead girl. And do you remember, I don't even know what this was advertising, and it's kind of sad because I work in advertising, but remember that old commercial E.F. Hutton? When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Okay, I don't, I, don't even know what he, I don't even know if it's around anymore. I don't even know what it was. I just remember it from commercials from when I was a kid. But when E.F. Hutton talked, people listened. Well, there's something about it. I couldn't find any place in Scripture, and please don't take me as that being the gospel truth because I did not do an exhaustive search, but I couldn't find anywhere where it said, get up, and the people didn't listen. So this is a command that we're given. We're called to arise, to get in the game, to be part of what God is doing. God invites our participation. <clears throat> so we're also called to shine. But all throughout scripture, we find multiple passages that convey that God is the source of the light. In 1 John 1.5, we find the words, God is light. In Genesis 1.3, the very beginning of the book of the, of the Bible, we see that um, there is light before any light-generating thing has been created. In John 1, 4, and 5, we find these words. In him, meaning Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But then we get to the verse that always confused me when I was a new believer. See, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't come to faith in Christ until I was in my early 20s. See, it's these words from Matthew, chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead... They put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. <coughs> this was confusing to me as a new believer, because this is about us, not about Jesus. I thought it was about Jesus. When I first heard, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, I thought they were about Jesus. They're not. It was very shocking to me as a new believer. These are Jesus' words. These are words in red. These are Jesus' words to his disciples. This is a New Testament example that kind of parallels to our Isaiah passage that we looked. And it shows how rising and shining can be coupled together for greater effectiveness. You see the concept of a rise in a city on a hill and instead they put it on its stand, it's to give it height. And we see shining in this passage where it says giving light to everyone in the house, and then it even says let your light shine before men. But if we're not the light, 
How in the world are we supposed to shine? That was my question. We'll get back to that in a minute. So I've been thinking about these two ideas, these two elements, rise and shine. And I just realized I'm behind on my slides. So this is a reminder number three. Arise and shine are mutually exclusive. You can rise without shining, and you can, ri and you can shine without rising. So what does it look like if you were to only do one of these? Well, I think we've all been to the DMV or the post office or to Walmart and have seen somebody who has been, who has risen but isn't very shiny. Um, at least I have. I mean, if you, if you doubt that, go try to renew your driver's license or get a tax thing or um, any, anything along those lines. Any, a lot of government agencies, they're not quite exactly thrilled to be there. But I've also seen people who've been shining but haven't necessarily been able to arise. The older person in a wheelchair that might be wheelchair-bound that can't get up, can't physically get up anymore. So one or the other is possible, and we've all seen it. So I've also been reflecting on a math concept, and that's the math concept of addition. When two things come together and are combined, they're greater as a result. The words combine kind of look like a plus sign. I'm a visual learner, so this may just be something that will help me, but it might help you too. So I was trying to think of an, an example of something that shines. So I started looking into it, and I thought about the firefly. So, um, Find my place. So while I was researching fireflies, which are actually pretty fascinating if you've never done that, um, but I learned a new word. And the new word is this, bioluminescence. And this is what it means. It's a process by which a species generates its own light. Kind of interesting. Didn't know that. They make their own light, but it doesn't last and if we as humans try to do the same thing, we can probably do it for a season, but it rarely lasts very long either. Something still seems to be missing. So what is it about us as believers that sets us apart? I think it's the fact that our light has come, as we see in that passage in Isaiah. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the people, but the Lord rises upon you the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Let's be clear. It's God's job to do the shining. So when our youth were out at Quest Ranch on their mission trip, um, they put together these panels that were in, um, that were going to go in homes that were going to be sent down to Quest Ranch. And on one of the panels, they painted these words from the psalm, Psalm 18, verse 28, this is the ESV version. It says this, For it is you who light my lamp, the Lord my God lightens my darkness. And I started reflecting on that, and I was thinking about this song by a, a Christian recording artist named Sarah Groves. I don't know if you're familiar with Sarah Groves or not. She has a great song called You Are the Sun. 
But it's not sun, S-O-N, which would make sense. It's S-U-N. So it's kind of, you know, it's, if I say that and don't explain it, it's probably a little bit confusing because S-O-N would be accurate. But this particular song is a, a different spelling. Let me share the lyrics with you. <clears throat> you are the sun shining down on everyone, light of the world, giving light to everything I see. Beauty so brilliant, I can hardly take it in. And everywhere you are is warmth and light. The next verse. And I am the moon with no light of my own, but still you've made me to shine. And as I glow in this cold, dark night, I know I can't be a light unless I turn my face to you. So I'm going to wrap up. But this is my proposal. And you're not going to find this word in a dictionary. Don't waste your time Googling it. I already did. But back to that idea of bioluminescence, I want to propose to you that what we really need is theoluminescence. This is takeaway number four. Theoluminescence, a process by which believers draw their strength and power from the unlimited source. Again, I'm a visual learner. Um, reading in school were always really tough for me and for you teachers in the room. You're probably seeing a lot of that this morning. Um, but I am a very visual learner. And I envision that concept like this. We can arise and shine when we really tap into the power of the cross. We're given a great reminder in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 through 9. It clearly shows that God power, God, it clearly shows God's power and our limitation. And it says this: <clears throat> "For God, who said, "Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So God is light. And we're like lanterns. It's God's job to light us up. Let God be God. He's the light. And ask him to make you shine. He has the unlimited power. Ask him for strength if you need it. And let him do what only he can do. That's how rising and shining are the most effective. It's when we have God's power in us. And that's what we're here to do today. To connect with God, to recharge and refresh. And to do and to be a part of what God's doing. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for every woman in this room. Thank you for her willingness to be here and to take her faith seriously. God, I pray for everyone who is here. I know this has been a difficult year for so many. 
So Lord, we pray that you would come and fill this place, fill the next few minutes, fill the next few hours, help us to have a good fellowship, be with us as we study, be with us as we try to refresh and just get a little bit of strength. Come and do what only, only you can do. And we ask this in your name. Amen.